can be seated this morning. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. We're going to be in chapter 21 today uh, as we get rolling. Uh, Parents, it's kind of fun sitting in front of you guys. I want to let everyone know, my children have grown up in church with either one, a single mom managing them in the pew by herself, or often with a mom nowhere on the, in the vicinity because mom was on stage and dad was on stage. And so we have been rescued by loving uh, adults and senior adults many times in our lifetime. Um, Connor loved to walk to the front during invitation time because his daddy was inviting people to come see him. And so we, we had all kinds of things going on. But I, I heard something, and this isn't part of the sermon, this is free because there's incredible parenting going on uh, in behind. One of the, the best things when you're singing before your kids are learning how to read is to take one song and you whisper the words that they're about to sing to them so that they can sing along. Um, I heard that going on a little bit today and, and it's one of my most favorite things. If we haven't had a chance to get it in our mind ahead of time, Uh, What an awesome, awesome gift. And so um, excited to have everyone here today. Again, uh, on Family Sunday, church, we're going to be walking through the Bible like we normally would. I'm just going to give my attention a little bit more uh, to our family section over here, but that doesn't mean it's not for all of us because today what we're talking about is securing God's blessing. And this was meant to be the last sermon in this series of seeking God's blessing. But as our staff met last week, we decided we would tag one more onto the series just to get us close and impersonal. And, and so we gave, uh, some of you have this out there. Kids, do you have a lock? Hold your lock up in the air for me if you have a lock this morning. Okay, very good. So what are some things that you use a lock on? I need a hand. I need some. What's something you use a lock on? Your locker at school, I love that. Uh, to, lock to lock doors. Yeah, mom and dad, we like to do that, right? Keep our doors locked. Gates. Gates. Oh, that's very good. To keep the backyard locked. One more. Yes, ma'am. What's that? Diaries. Oh, I like I like that. That's excellent. Do you know the first time, I know I used one before, boys and girls. Do you know what the first thing I used to lock on? Was my bicycle. So when I was in fifth grade, anyone in here in fifth grade? Any fifth graders hanging around this place over here somewhere? I like it. Fifth grade, I got to ride a 10 speed that I got for Christmas to school. I was big time. My feet couldn't touch the ground hardly. And do you know what I wanted for my 10 speed? I wanted a lock and I got this big black lock. Did any of y'all, anyone have this lock? It made a big, I don't remember the name of it anymore, but you clink the bottom on. It seemed like it costs as much as an iPhone does today. I had a big black lock. And do you know what I did when I got to school, boys and girls? I put it around my tire and I put it around the bar and I locked it in and took the key. You know why I did that? So no one could take it. I wanted it to be safe and secure until I got there after school because I was so excited to ride my bike to school. So today, we're talking about how God keeps his promise secure. So boys and girls, one more time, show me your lock in the air. Every time I say the word promise, I want you to unlock or lock your lock back. Every time in the sermon I say the word promise, I want you to unlock it or lock it back. And at the end, what I would like you to do is tell your mom or dad how many times you think Pastor David said promise. All right? 
parents, it's hard to keep things secure, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's really easy to make a commitment, but it is hard to th- keep things secure. In fact, what I would tell you is this, is that we can only keep things as secure as we have the power to do so, amen? And you know what's interesting is, I used to make a lot of promises early on. Uh, Christy and I, um, I was not very reliable. I would tell her I was coming home from the office and she would say, great, she had dinner ready and I would get caught up in conversations there'd be someone in the parking lot I would talk to you know x y or z and then an hour later I'm not home so early on she said when you tell me I promise I need that to mean you're going to do it for sure and I thought I can do that I can do that and for a while do you know what it worked but do you know what happened every now and then I would say I promise and I meant it and I and I I I wanted it but do you know what would happen Sometimes things outside of my power would prohibit me from keeping my promise. And so when you and I think about securing God's blessing and securing his promises, one thing I want you to know is a promise is only as good as the power and the faithfulness of the promise maker. That's it. A promise is only as good as the power and the excuse me, and the faithfulness of the promise maker. So when we look about Abraham's story, boys and girls, over the last few weeks, what we've been talking about is a promise that God started. He said, Abraham, I'm gonna make your name great. Your descendants like the sand of the sea, or the sand of the desert. And then Abraham said, but God, I don't have any children, right? And then God said, I told you, I'm gonna make your descendants. I'm gonna give you a son. And then Sarah said, well, it's been too long. Let's try to help God out. And that didn't work so good. And then God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And Abraham said, well, God, can't you just bless our mess? And and no, he couldn't. So today in chapter 21, what we see is God being the promise maker who is powerful enough and faithful to the promises he makes. And and I want you to know there's going to be a challenge in this for you, right? I, I want you to, if you're a parent in this room, Would you raise your hand if you're a parent in this room? Boys and girls, look around at all the parents in this room. Okay, put your hands down, parents. Listen, as a parent, has your life gone like this? And and, and it may not. But the younger that I was, the more confident I was that I could keep my promise for my children. I was going to be at that game at that time. I was going to make this happen. I was going to make it. I promise we're going to go X, Y, or Z. The older I have gotten the more aware of my powerlessness to be faithful to those promises. If you're, if you're a parent, have you ever experienced anything like that as well, that you've become aware that you're just, you want to. The desire is there, but the ability is just, it's outside of you. And, and I, I think that's for two reasons. One, you aren't God, right? You're not God. You aren't supposed to be. That, that was never the, you, you aren't powerful enough, you're not strong enough, you're not good enough. Uh, Connor and I, and I've told some of you this is a story before, Christy and I um, went on a run together and, and Connor called me from home and, uh, and I answered the phone on the run. I said, what's going on, son? It gave me a great excuse to walk, amen, right? And, and he says, he says, dad, I can't find the TV remote. This is my house. Dad, I can't find the TV remote. And he was kindergarten, first grade, I don't know. We were just happy that he was alive while we went on a run together. 
And I said, Betty, I, I don't know where it is. And, and he's like, Dad, but you have to know. You Tell me where it is. But I, I don't know where it is. I don't know everything. And I remember very clearly, in fact, I wrote it down in my journal. Connor said, but Dad, I want you to know everything. And there's a point in my, my chest that was like, ooh, yeah, I need to know it. But God's saying, you're not God. And if you try to be a promise maker on the level of the God of all creation, the God of the mountain, not only are you setting yourself up for failure, you're setting your family up to experience a sinful existence. And how do I know that? Just by looking at the picture of Abraham and Sarah. When God made a promise, they, Abraham thought, well, I guess my, my servant's gonna be my inheritance. God said, no, I've got better for you than that. I'm gonna give you a son. And that took too long. And they said, well, we'll help God out. We'll have a child through a different way. And that didn't work out. This, this whole give my servant and we'll pretend they're sons. It didn't work out. Every time Abraham tried to make God big in his own strength, he let his family down. Every time. Because God is the only one who is powerful enough and faithful enough to be the promise maker. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how do we strain towards that? So if you have your Bible, we're in Genesis chapter 21, but I want you to turn, if you will, over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says about promise making or, or about what we're straining towards in our life. Matthew chapter 6, we'll go verse 25 down through verse 33. The Bible says this, and boys and girls, this is Jesus. So in my Bible, it's in red letters. It says, therefore, I'll tell you, don't be worried about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll drink, nor your body. What, will, what, you'll put, put, excuse me, what you will put on. Is life not more than food? This is when we found out Jesus was not a Baptist. Amen. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor they weep. They don't gather in barns. And yet the heavenly father feeds every one of them. Are you not worth more than them? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you worried about clothing? Consider the little ones, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will not much more, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father shows, knows that you need them. But you seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. See, church, we are called to seek the things of God. We're, we're called to seek those things, but we're not supposed to be worried about the promises of God being fulfilled. And there's a difference in that kind of thing. Boys and girls, can I ask you a question this morning? Who has ever gone shopping with your mom or dad? Awesome. Have you ever walked down the cereal aisle? Yes. Has anyone maybe ever pulled off a cereal box that your mom and dad were not going to let you buy? Yes, me too. Do you know when we did that growing up, you can put your hand down. One of the ways that we found out we were worried, me and Miss Christy, 
was when Connor or Ashley would go and see something they liked and we didn't know where they were. See, they were not looking for us. What were they looking for? Their favorite cereal. That's what they were looking for. And what God says is, listen, I don't want you to worry about the things in front of you. I want you to keep your eye on me. Church, do you understand that your role, mom, dad, grandparent, aunt, uncle, friend, relative, is not to be worried about the promises of God coming true. They will come true, and we'll talk about that, how that is. But you and I are supposed to be seekers. We are supposed to seek the things of God, the things of heaven. That's your whole eye. If you're seeking college football, if you are seeking uh, downtime, if you're seeking money, if you're seeking fill in the blank, if it's not through the lens of Jesus Christ, if it's not standing next to him, whatever you will find will leave you and others wanting. It'll leave you missing out. And that's what Jesus says. So let's look at the story of Abram and Sarah over the next few minutes. And let's see how God is the promise maker, how he is powerful enough to keep his promise and how he is faithful to every word he speaks. Genesis chapter 21, just verse one and verse two. All right, church, this is what the Bible says. And the Lord visited Sarah, just as he said. And the Lord did to Sarah, just as he promised. And Sarah convinced and bore Abram Hamas son in his old age at the time which God had spoken to them. Just stop right there, church. You see, in this little section, we see God is both powerful enough and faithful enough to keep his promise. The one who makes it can make it happen. Did you see the words in your Bible? If you're an underliner, you can write it down. It says in the first verse, as he said. It ends that first verse with, as he promised. In the second verse, what does it say? At the time in which he had spoken. God did something that no one else could. Abraham couldn't make it happen. Sarah couldn't make it happen. Their relatives couldn't make it happen. No how bad they desired, they could not make God's promise come through true. And it caused them havoc because inside of them, they wanted to be the hero of God's story. But God said, you have just caused yourself to waste years of your life. I was always gonna keep my promise because I'm strong enough and I'm able. Do you know if you were to look in the New Testament at the time the words promises are made or men or women swear by things, over 40 times you'll find that in the New Testament. Do you know only one of those times was not spoken by Jesus or or the Lord? There's only one place in the New Testament where a promise is made that's not from the Lord. It's between a, a man to another man. It's an axe. Paul is in prison. They're moving him from one jail to another jail. And these men swear, we will not eat at all until we kill Paul on the way. Paul got wind of that. The Lord made it known to him. He was transported in this garrison of troops. There would have been no way for these men to be able to overthrow them. And the Bible never speaks of them again. That means there's only one of two things that happen. One, they found a way out of it. Well, God didn't want it to happen or whatever. Two, they broke their promise. Or, or two, they tried and it wasn't recorded. Since it wasn't recorded, I, I think scripture goes very clearly. If this is the only example, 
to say that God is the only true promise maker because he's the only one that can be a true promise keeper. Our desire and passion is not enough. When Jesus talks about oaths in the New Testament, he says, be careful not to make a promise on something that's not yours. So if you're promising for by the heaven or by the earth, those don't belong to you. If you're promising by this or that, they don't belong, just say yes and no, but don't make promises about things which don't belong to you. And you might say, well, what belongs to me? Well, Jesus would say this, render under Caesar what's Caesar, Caesar and unto God is what's God's. Well, scripture would say that the whole earth is the Lord's and what? Everything, the fullness of it every point of it, church. So when we lean into this reality, we have to be careful that we don't try to take on the role that belongs to God. Psalm 33 says this way, for the Lord will hold, the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. Not only is God able to be the promise maker, but he's faithful to his promise. And church, God's not worried about living up to your standard or my standard. God is concerned about his reputation and his name and his character remaining perfect and true. And in that focus of his life, every promise he makes, he is faithful to, not because he just can't, can't not be any other way, but it's just because he is. I think sometimes, boys or girls, have you ever thought about this? Boys or girls, who loves your mom and dad today? Who loves your mom and dad? That's good. Some of you are awake. I'm just checking. That's good. Put your hands down. Now, are your parents always happy with you? Have you? No, no. I got one. Come on with it. That's right. Yeah, sometimes we let our parents down. And, and what we can start to think is, man, my mom and dad don't like me. But your mom and dad always love you. And I think God put that in there because here's what we know about the God of heaven whom we are in the image of, the likeness of, but not exactly like. That we have a God who is not one who can but chooses not to. We have a God who is faithful to every part of his promise. When the Bible talks about the power of God and his ability, church, Creation is one of the most incredible ways that he does that. In Genesis, this was the first verse that my family learned together um, when Connor and Ashley were both old enough to memorize scripture. It was our very first one. It's Genesis chapter one, verse one, right? All right, boys and girls, do you know this one? Church, if you know this, you can say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, that's how the whole book starts off, that God created all of it. He was powerful enough to do what we can't do. Do you know, church, in this big idea of God being the promise keeper, that creation cries out that he is able, that he is over. One of my favorite verses is found in Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah chapter 40, it talks about who God is. It says, behold, the Lord God, he comes with might and arms rule for him. His rewards with him. In verse 12, he says, who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hand, marked the heavens with the span of his hands, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains on the skills of the balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? What man can show him his counsel? Did he consult anybody? Who taught him something? 
Boys and girls, the hollow of your hand is this. Can you make your hand like you're trying to get, catch water? Can you, can you do like this? The Bible says that God is so big and he's so powerful that he measures all of the earth, all of creation, and it fits right there. Now make big hands for me. Some of you have bigger hands. You wanna help me out, adults, in this? How big are your hands? Spread your fingers wide. The span of your hand is the tip of your pinky to the tip of your thumb. Do you know when you look up into space and all the things that these new telescopes are showing that between here and here, that's what God uses as his measuring stick? Is God big or little? He's big. Church, we should not treat him as he is little. I love that God sports attitude with us through the prophets, amen? I feel like it's a parenting technique. The Lord says, listen, I have done all of this. And then he says to you, and dads, grandparents, moms, this is for you. Have you measured his spirit? Did he ask for your advice? Did he not understand something that he needed you to enlighten him on? Did you help him understand how your situation is harder than someone else's? Did you teach him what the just thing to do was? Did you show him the way of understanding? Church, God says is, I am the promise maker. And in that promise making, all of creation testifies to it. That's why in Matthew chapter eight, when Jesus calms the winds and the waves and the storm, Jesus is taking a nap on the boat. The disciples get crazy. They think they're gonna die. They wake Jesus up. He wakes up and he says, shh. And the winds and the waves go quiet. And the disciple says, what man is this that even creation obeys him? Church, God is the promise maker because he is powerful enough and faithful enough to keep them. And in your scripture, in the word of God written for you, there are more than enough promises for you to delight in the rest of your life. Let me encourage you, seek God's blessing, but don't be tempted to secure it. That's his role. And that's all that verse three through verse seven says. In your Bible, we'll start slowing things down right here. The Bible says this in verse three, chapter 21. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, excuse me, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son on the day that he was eight years old, just as God commanded him. Verse five, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born to him and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Church, this isn't a small thing. But God is the promise maker who is powerful and faithful enough to make and keep his promises. If you are a follower of God, if you belong now to the people of God through Jesus Christ as your Lord, here is your role. Parents, grandparents, friends, believers, it is to seek and to savor God's promises. That's what you do. 
If you're asking, what, what's my new technique on parenting? I've got this book called Baby Wise. We dusted the dust cover off many times as kids. Listen, there's lots of good helpful hints in this world, but if you desire to live a life in the fullness of what God has to offer for you, then you commit all of your resources, commit all of your time, commit all of your energy, don't waste a drop of it on seeking and enjoying, savoring God's promises. Don't waste your life on anything else. Don't spend it anywhere else. When, when Abraham does this, he tastes it fully. When Abraham has Isaac, it says, first of all, he names him Isaac. And second of all, he circumcises him on the eighth day. Why does he do this? Why does he pick Isaac? Why does he circumcise? I bet our children know this one. Boys and girls, I want you to point to the person in this room that gave you your name. Who told you what your name was? That's right. Mom and dad, some of you are like, manna from heaven. Yeah, that's right. Listen, Abraham didn't come up with this name by himself. He was being obedient to what God said because in chapter 17, God says, you will call him Isaac. When God circumcised, when, when Abraham circumcised Isaac, why did he circumcise him on the eighth day even? Because in chapter 17, we read that God had commanded him to do so. Church, we are to seek God. I love Jeremiah 29. It says this in chapter 29, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Matthew, Jesus says it this way. This is gonna be a great day for this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. In chapter six, now we read it by chapters, but I want you to think of it as a long, incredible sermon. Jesus said in chapter six, seek ye first the what? The kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So in Matthew chapter seven, when he says ask, seek and knock, it will be given, it will be opened and you'll find it. Where are all those things directed? next to Jesus whatever you seek when you're seeking the Lord you're going to find it whatever you ask the Lord for as you're seeking the Lord he's going to like a good parent explain it open your mind to it open your heart whatever you knock and say God I, I, I'm on the outside Lord I need to repent Lord are you there if you are seeking him what Jesus says is that door will be open to you God does not shut you out the promises of God are made and church, if you seek him, then you'll get to savor your life. You get to delight in the promises of God. That's why Jesus says he came for you and I to receive the fullness of life now and forever on. See, in Genesis chapter 21, Abraham seeks, but Sarah, who has had a hard go, she gives us the picture of savoring. Listen to what the Bible says. And Sarah said to God, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. 
She said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've done so in his old age. Church, do you remember those moments of life when God allowed you to taste how good his promise was? In this moment, what had been difficult for Sarah, laughing, not believing, not trusting, having a hard time with, God changed it into something that was joyful. Do you know that's what God does? Isaiah 61, if you have ashes, my people, I will give you beauty. In fact, sorry guys, it's beautiful headdresses. You were once dead in your trespasses, but now you are alive in Christ. This fallen world stained by sin, he will make all things new. What if life was about you and I pointing to the hero instead of needing to be the hero? What if your life was to commit all that you had to seeking the promises of God and delighting in them fully all the way there? That's a promise of God, you know? Scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your what? Of your heart. When we're seeking him and he's our delight, he's on our heart, he's gonna give us a fullness right here. But church, I wanna let you know, as Jesus says, it starts with seeking him. It doesn't start with making another promise to something you can't back up. Because if you do not belong to the promise keeper, the promise keeper has made a promise. Only he is the way, only he is the truth, and only he is the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through him. And that's a promise. But the door is there, all you have to do is knock. Lord, I want your promise. I surrender my control and I give my whole life to you. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, I thank you for the boys and girls whose fingers are probably almost sore spinning that lock. But God, you are the God of those promises and so many more. Lord, today I pray that as a church, we would find ourselves wrapped up in the truth of your promise. Father, you, you promise us that you'll be with, with us even to the end of the age. And that promise is tied to the command to go and make disciples of Christ Jesus. To baptize them, to teach them so Lord, if there is a man or woman, boy or girl in this room who has not confessed with their lips 
that their sin has separated them from you. And they haven't confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Lord, right now, would you allow them to have a heart that delights in yours and to speak those words and to own it for the rest of their life. We love you, Jesus, in your name.